Thank you. For the kitchens, thank you for that song. And I was having a conversation with uh, a man that was actually here and for the alumni days and had to go back that was in my youth department, Chuck McQueen. And just before I left the hotel room, and he was just talking to me about, to, to me about tonight. And he said, are you nervous? I said, man, I'm nervous at Bethany. Of course I'm nervous. I'm nervous every time I preach. And, but I said this. I said, but my father has never failed me. He's always showed up. He's always taken care of it and given me the strength every time I've ever preached. And I'm confident he'll do it tonight. And uh, so I'm very thankful for that. In fact, I had that conversation with my wife on the way over here with just some family things that God always takes care of it. So and, uh, thank you for that. And I sure appreciate the opportunity to preach, Brother Gaddis. And don't take that lightly. And um, thank you, church. And I know you receive this often and hear this often from guests, but thank you for taking care of our students that we send here and being the type of church family that we would want them to be a part of. And I've sent my own daughters here and I'm thankful for your watch care. We have students from our church here and you've just been a wonderful, wonderful church family to them. And, uh, but most of all, more than anything, I want to thank you for sending Barry and Shelly Mitchell to our church. And they have been a blessing. And well, Brother Barry, he's not really said anything since he's been there, but Miss Shelly, she makes up for it. And uh, they've been a real blessing. And the first time I, they, they just started uh, attending Bethany, I took them to eat and, uh, and we were talking and, and Miss Shelly said this, and, and it's not something I've ever received or had anybody say about Bethany, but she said, well, it's going to be a real adjustment to be a part of such a tiny little church. And, and nobody had ever said that about Bethany. Most people were like, I, I don't know if we want to be a part of a church this big. And so it's all perception there. We'll take your Bibles, go to Romans chapter eight tonight, Romans chapter number eight. And stand with me, verse number 14, Romans chapter number eight. We're going to begin reading in verse 14 and read down through verse number 17. Romans 8, verse number 14, the Bible says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, well, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Let's pray. Father, thank you one more time for the opportunity to open up your precious word and have you communicate through it to us. God, I pray that you'd do your work tonight. You'd encourage, help us, and whatever's needed that you would do in our hearts and lives. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. I don't believe I'd have to convince you tonight that the, the families, uh, the in an individual, the family they grow up in will play an enormous part in how they turn out a big part in how they turn out. A family will help a child as they develop. We'll learn our values. We'll learn how to handle problems. We'll learn how to socialize. 
All the, the skills that we need are directly from the family in which we live. And so if we grow up in a good home, and many in this room have, we will uh, receive security, assurance, everything that we need to be successful in this life. On the flip side, children raised in a bad home, well, they often face issues and struggles just on the very basis of the bad home that they, break, they grow up in and, and the breakdown that's in the development there. Uh, I'm not saying that somebody that grows up in a bad home that they cannot be successful, but we know that they're immediately at a disadvantage. A study recently done by Lehigh University concluded that 70% of the crimes committed in our country are from people that came from broken homes. And so imagine with me tonight, you being born into a, a broken home, a messed up home, a poverty stricken home. Imagine a family that's dysfunctional and doomed. Imagine growing up in a family with no hope, with, with no prospect for the future. A, a family that doesn't care for you at all. And I want to say to you that that's exactly where you were prior to coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior. But what Romans shows us is that God, he comes along in our lives and he is a father that is gentle and he is a father that is kind. He is a father that is wealthy beyond measure and he's a father that loves you and he desires to take each and every one of us for his own child. And he offers us everything that our natural family could never offer us and he gives it to us all free of charge. All of this comes to, or all, all you must do is come to him and consent to be his child. It'd be difficult for me to explain through words the wonder of being brought into God's family. But those of you in this room tonight, most of you in this room tonight have experienced that and you understand that. But with our new family, th there comes a, an assurance and a help unlike anything we could ever imagine. A lot of people struggle through their Christian life. Much of the reason we struggle is, is laid out in the, the text prior to this is Paul reminds us how the carnal mind is at enmity against God. And, and at the end of chapter number seven and then in the middle of chapter eight, he begins to deal with the, the competing natures that are within us. We have the spirit of God within us and we're thankful for that. But at the same time, we still have this old carnal nature. And, and both are competing every day, every moment, every hour of our lives. They're constantly pulling us. And there's this battle that takes place. And oftentimes we find ourselves defeated. And oftentimes we give in to the flesh. And we go the way of the flesh. And we end up giving in to temptation and, and experiencing the, the defeat and the shame and the guilt and all that comes along with that. We live in a world that beats us up. We live in a world that, that if, if it has its way, will keep us down and keep us discouraged and, and keep us downtrodden. That's the world in which we live. And because of that, a lot of Christians spend out their Christian lives doubting, number one, their salvation. But if they don't doubt their salvation, they live in a state of defeat and discouragement because they've never come to understand their place within the family of God. They've never come to realize that they're a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and all that comes with that. 
And so the Apostle Paul, as he's giving us through chapter 8, the, the wonders of the Spirit-led life, in these verses, he's helping to give us the security and the help and the assurance that we need to understand all that we are and all that we have in our relationship in the family of God. And so he really, in my mind, in verses 14 through 17, he gives four proof positives of our salvation, four things that help us to understand our security in Christ and in his family, how we know that he loves us, how we know that he's there and he's at work in our lives. Look at the first one in verse number 14. Paul says this, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So according to Paul, when we believed, we immediately became the sons of God. That is, we were removed from the family of Adam and we were transplanted into the family of God. We are literally his children. And the proof of that is that the spirit of God dwells within us and he leads us throughout our lives. Now, the idea of lead here, that word, it's not just that I get out in front of somebody and they follow me. But this word led here has to do with lead by restraint. You can do your own work on the word, but the, the definition I found led to even like leading an animal. Now, when I was growing up, we lived in Colorado. And so I went to Silver State Baptist Youth Camp where I surrendered to preach. And I don't remember what year, but one of the first years there, and they, they offered horse rides, and so I decided I would do that. And so I paid my money and got on the list. They called me, and I went and got on that horse, and, and they said, listen, all you have to do is just hang on. This horse will follow the other horses. Here's the reins, but don't really do anything with them. And so we took off, and it became apparent really quick that I was a cowboy. <laughs> I mean, I was the real deal. I was a cowboy. And I'm riding along and I'm thinking to myself, watch out, John Wayne. I mean, there's a new sheriff in town. Look at me. I'm pretty awesome at this. And we went, I don't know however long. We got a halfway, three quarters of the way through that horse ride. And all of a sudden, the horse in front of me decided it didn't want to follow the other horses. It wanted to go back and get a drink. And so it took off. My horse took off through the woods. I'm screaming like a little girl, scared to death. I didn't know what to do. All I was doing was holding on for dear life. Now, had I known what to do with that horse, I'm certain I could have grabbed the reins. Somebody who was a, an actual horseman would have known to grab the reins. And when the horse wanted to go to the right, pull back to the left. If it wanted to go to the left, pull back to the right. It could have steered it with those reins. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit of God does in us. He steers us. He, he, he guides us. He directs us. He leads us by restraint. I have within me a, a carnal nature and that carnal nature is pulling on me each and every day of my life. But I'm thankful as it pulls me this way, I've got the spirit of God that's restraining me and pulling me this way. When temptation comes along my way, the spirit of God is at work in me saying, no, don't go that way. No, don't do that. And as the farther I go down that path, the more he pulls and the more guilt and shame and conviction that I fall under because he's not gonna let me go. He's at work in my life. And I'm thankful for that because that's a proof that I'm a son of God, a child of God. Look at the second thing, verse number 15. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption 
We're assured because we're led by the Spirit, but we're assured because we've been adopted. Because we've been adopted. I'm so thankful for that, that we've been adopted into the family of God. In ancient Rome, to be adopted was considered to be a great privilege. It would be no different in our day. The Greek word adoption here, I'm not going to try to pronounce it because I wouldn't be able to, but it means to place as a son. It's a picture to be brought into a family and to be placed as a son. The picture of adoption is a beautiful picture of what God does for the Christian. When a child was adopted in that time and even in this time, three legal steps were taken. Number one, when a child was adopted, they were adopted permanently. They could not be adopted today and disinherited tomorrow. He became a son to his father forever. He was eternally secure as a son. Many of you may not know this, some of you do, but our youngest son, Gabriel, he came into our family when he was two years of age. We adopted him shortly thereafter. Went through several court cases, going through the, the termination of his natural born parents' rights, and finally went through the process of time that was needed, and we went into an adoption hearing. We went in that day and set down our entire family on the, the bench and the, the judge was up there and they began to explain the process. And one of the things the judge said to us as she addressed us that day, she said, do you understand that what you're doing today is permanent? I said, yes. <laughs> do, do you realize it cannot be undone? I believe so, yeah. I don't think she thought we got it because she said, are those your other kids that are sitting there with you? Yes. The judge said, you know, you can disown, disinherit those kids. But if you go through with this today, you can never, ever disown, never, ever disinherit this child. They're forever yours. That's exactly what happens when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We are adopted permanently and nothing we could ever do can change that. When I was in high school, I recently, in fact, saw a commercial that Jeeps come out with a new Grand Wagoneer. And it is an awesome looking vehicle. In fact, I was looking at some pictures of it yesterday and maybe lusting a little bit, but I, I got that right before I came to preach. And, uh, but it, it's an incredible vehicle. And, and what caught my attention, it, the reason it really caught my attention is because it was the first vehicle that I ever really drove. It wasn't mine. It was my dad's vehicle, but it was the family vehicle and the one that he allowed me to drive and take to school. And, and I loved this Jeep Wagoneer. I mean, to everyone else, it may have just been a piece of junk. But to me, this was an awesome vehicle and I could take it anywhere, drive it anywhere. We lived in the mountains and there wasn't a road that this Jeep wouldn't go on. So one day when my mom was out of town, I thought this would be a good time to talk to my dad and convince him that I should take the Jeep up to the mountains and go four-wheeling. And so I approached him about that and said, could I, could I take the car and, and my friend and could we go up and, and go in the mountains and, and spend some time up there? And his immediate answer was no. You say, why did he say no? Because when I was growing up, that's what parents did. That's the only word they knew was no. They, they didn't know there was another answer. So no was the answer. 
And you didn't come back. You didn't ask again. It was just no. I said, okay, well, could I at least go over? My friend's name was Billy. I said, could I at least go over to Billy's house? He said, I'll allow that. So I went over to Billy's house and he said, hey, we going to the mountains? I said, no. My dad said, no. He said, did your dad say that we like couldn't go around here in the hills and on the roads outside of town here? And I said, as a matter of fact, he did not. He said, I couldn't go to the mountains. He never said anything about the canyons right here around town. I mean, big difference between mountains and canyons. Let's go to the canyons. And so we took off to the canyons. We're out there. We're having the time of our lives. We're shooting rabbits. We're driving that Jeep. We saw this hill. And he said, no way that Jeep can go up that hill. I said, watch this. And I started up that hill. And I decided, oh, I better put it in four-wheel drive. You had to do that then. And so I kicked it into four-wheel drive. And when I kicked it into four-wheel drive, something popped. And the vehicle went into neutral. And nothing I could do would get it out of neutral. I kicked on the emergency brake. And I am trying everything. It won't go in reverse. It won't go in drive. It won't go forward. It won't go backwards. It won't do anything. So we had to walk about four miles to a gas station. I had to pick up my phone and I had to call my dad and I had to say, dad, got the Jeep stuck. I mean, the good news, is it's not in the mountains. The bad news is it's stuck down in a canyon. I need your help. I knew the minute I called him, it wasn't going to be in my favor. I, I could just hold the phone out. I mean, he is letting me have it. The minute he pulled up in that gas station at a rather fast speed, I might add, I, I mean, he got out and he's at that same level and he's letting me have it. He gets me in the car all the way to the Jeep. He lets me have it. I knew, I knew I was in trouble. I knew there would be consequences. But never one time on that four mile walk and never one time when I got into that vehicle did I think to myself, Great. I just blew it. Had a great dad all these years, and now I'm not going to have a dad. <laughs> it's over. He's going to stop being my dad now. It's what happens when you just... No. I, I had the propensity to get in a lot of trouble as a kid. But I never doubted whether my dad would still be my dad. I knew I would be in trouble, but he was going to be my dad no matter what. And that is the wonderful truth of when we're adopted into God's family. You have a bad day. You fail. You mess up. But it is permanent. You're there forever. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them, gave them to me is greater than all. No man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Ephesians says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. I'm thankful it's permanent. There's another thing about adoption that's true. The adopted son immediately had all the rights of a legitimate son in the new family. The adopted son immediately had all the rights of a legitimate son. In other words, the day that we adopted Gabe into our family as a two, two and a half, three-year-old boy, at that day, he became equal heir to everything, well, I'll just go ahead and say it, to the millions that my wife and I have. <laughs> I mean, hundreds that we have. How many of you in this auditorium have been saved less than five years? Raise your hand. Several. How many in this auditorium have been saved more than 30 years? 
a bunch of you. Hey, guess what? In God's economy, we're all on a level playing field. You have access to the very same thing that the oldest saint in this room has access to. Talk about assurance. Talk about a help. Talk about a security on a bad day. You have the same ability, the same access, the same right to everything that the oldest saint has. The adopted son, thirdly, completely lost all his rights to his old family. The adopted son was looked upon as a new person. When we finished up the adoption process that day, they said to us in the final remarks as we're signing some papers, the birth certificate will, birth certificate will come in the mail in a couple of days or in, in a couple of weeks. We said, okay, and we didn't think anything about it. We assumed that all of his documents, uh, social security card, birth certificate, that they would just be sending that from child services over to us. But when we received a birth certificate, this is what his birth certificate says. Gabriel James Preston. That immediately caught me off guard because it wasn't Gabriel Jesus Serrate. It was Gabriel James Preston is what the name on his birth certificate said. It says he was born on August 23rd, 2005, 8.44 p.m. in Greeley, Colorado. It said his mom was Lisa Lynn Webster. And his father was Daniel James Preston. See, the only document that exists to this day about this boy's birth says it's as if he was born on August 23rd, 2005 at 844 to Lisa and Dan Preston and that his name on that day was Gabriel James Preston. Every other document has been wiped away and I'm telling you the exact same thing happened. It's called justification. That's what happened when we accepted Jesus Christ in our personal, our heart as our personal Lord and Savior. We received the spirit of adoption. And if that's not good enough, we can now go to him as Abba Father. <laughs> My daughters are older. Oldest daughter just got married this summer, is living in Virginia. My other daughter will be married as soon as one young man in this room gets enough money to buy a ring and enough courage to ask me. <laughs> and I decide to say yes. <laughs> I love the relationship I have with my daughters today. It's incredible. I love it. But there was something special about when they were toddlers and little girls. See, I would I'd come home from work after a long day. I'd open that door and I wouldn't make it a couple steps into the house. And those little girls would come running to me. And they would immediately, when they'd get to me, they'd stand at attention and they would say, dearest father, <laughs> we are so, so grateful that you've made it home on this fine day. Might we assist you to your recliner and get you something to drink, dearest father, Lord of this house? How many of you believe that? 
Not a chance. Daddy's home. And they would jump in my arms and I would kiss them and they would kiss me. And it was the most precious of moments. Later on that night, I'd take him and put him in bed and I'd shut out that light and I would hear this. Daddy, I'm thirsty. (laughs) So we'd get back up and we'd go get a drink. Daddy, I got to go potty. (laughs) Daddy, I'm scaled. (laughs) Eventually I'd be like, listen, I I know what this is all about. You don't want to go to bed, do you? Daddy, I love you. Okay, you can come watch the ball game with me. Just be quiet so you don't wake mom up. (laughs) No, it was incredible. What what a wonderful, intimate relationship, precious. It's beyond any other relationship. And the Bible says that we were brought into his family and it's not that we just go to him as our God and he is our God and our father and he is our father, but we can go to him as our Abba father. We can go to him in the most intimate and personal of ways and pour our hearts out to him. Number three, we have security and assurance and help because we have assurance by the Spirit. Verse 16 says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So thankful for the Spirit of God. I'm so thankful that the Spirit is at work constantly bearing witness with my spirit Reminding me that I'm his. Hard day. Discouraged. There's the Holy Spirit. He's encouraging me. He's helping me. I get into a hotel late on an afternoon and I begin looking over messages and I've got three laid out and I'm not sure which one exactly God has for me and I've been praying about it for a week and I'm trying to figure it out. I'm thankful that the Spirit bears witness with my spirit that over a process of time, He just wraps His loving arms around me and says, hey, this one, this is the one I want you to preach. I'm thankful at times I've went through difficult hours that the Holy Spirit has been there to give me a peace that passes all understanding, that he's been there to encourage and to comfort me and to help me and to give me strength to get through it. I'm thankful that in the early morning hours as I sat there with my Bible in my hand each and every day and I open it up that the Spirit of God is bearing witness with my spirit and he's speaking to me and he's talking to me and he's helping me and he's showing me things from his word. I'm thankful that I can go to preaching services like I did today and hear Brother Carl and Brother Levi I preach and just be encouraged because the spirit of God is at work and showing and reminding and helping me in areas. That's what the spirit of God does. And when I get down and I get discouraged or I get to doubting my relationship with him, all I have to do is stop and think of all the hours and moments and days that he works in my life and ways that he works in my life. And I know he's there. He loves me. There's something special about that relationship. Verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. We've been made an heir. Let let me put it this way. He provides for us. I don't know this church and all the people. 
So this is likely very different than Bethany. And, and I'm sure there's somebody in this church that uh, you're heir to a fortune. And, and one day, Brother Gaddis, you're, you're going to get an offering, a tithe from the, the inheritance they receive. And I mean, it's just going to be life changing. You'll never have another need. I'm sure that there's somebody out there like that. Unfortunately, at Bethany, we don't. Uh, we don't have that. Um, my in-laws have spent their entire life in the ministry. And unless they're really good at hiding it, I don't think that they have some secret offshore bank account that I don't know about. Yeah. My parents, small ministry all their lives, five kids. My dad many times working bivocational. I just, I'm convinced that I'm not going to have some great inheritance from my family someday. I'm not, God takes my, my parents, my in-laws home. I, I don't think we're just going to be waiting by the, the mailbox going, oh, this is going to take the sting off of it. This will be real good. I mean, it's going to be great. At least we'll be loaded. No, that's, that's not going to happen. Maybe some people are fortunate that way. My son texted me this last week and he was talking about one of the kids in the school. He said, Dad, you wouldn't believe what Landon pulled up in today. And I said, oh, yeah. And he said, his dad just bought him a brand new truck. And so I, I coach our cross country team. I showed up at practice. Landon showed up in that new truck. And I'm telling you, again, you shouldn't lust. But I just looked at it and thought, wow, that is what a truck's supposed to look like. I, I would just assume, I, I don't know for sure, $60,000, $70,000 easy that his parents paid for him to have that truck. His dad comes to practice every day. And so just happened to mention to it, dad, I said, hey, you got your son a truck. He said, well, you know, he earned it. I said, oh, he's been working? He goes, yeah, he, he works. He's been working for 13 years. And uh, I said, oh, I didn't know. That's a long time to have a job. I mean, how long has this kid been working? He goes, no, I mean school. He, he's been going to school for 13 years and that was his job. And he's about to graduate and, and he's completed his job. And so we wanted to reward him for all his effort. And, and so I told him, I said, well, you know, I graduated too. <laughs> I graduated from college. <laughs> kind of stirred things up in my son. He's got a nice truck, but it's nothing like that. It'd be great if I could just had the money in the bank and I could just go buy my son a good truck, but it wouldn't be helpful for him. And, and I'll, I'll, I told my son, and this is off subject, but I, I told my son, I, I would take him in his truck that he worked the last three summers and saved and paid cash for himself, I would take my son in that truck over that other son in his $60,000 truck any day of the week. Some people maybe just are fortunate that way. I'm not. But let me tell you what I've got. I got a heavenly father who takes care of my every need, who provides for everything, who's never left me in want. I've never missed a meal. We've never missed a bill. He's taken care of everything. He, he is a wealthy father who provides for us and takes care of us. I love this song. Words say, my father is rich. 
and houses and lands. He holdeth the wealth of the world in his hands. Of rubies and diamonds and silver and gold, his coffers are full. He has riches untold. I once was an outcast, stranger on earth. A sinner by choice and an alien by birth. But I've been adopted. My name's written down. I'm an heir to a mansion, a robe and a crown. A tent or a cottage, why should I care? They're building a palace for me over there. Though exiled from home, yet still I may sing. All glory to God, I am a child of the king. I'm a child of the king. Turned that song on in the hotel and I've been singing it ever since. Just praising the Lord. I'm a child of the King. No matter what else happens, I'm a child of the King. No matter what needs come up, I'm a child of the King. I've been adopted into His family. His Spirit lives within me. He leads me. He assures me. He directs me. He takes care of me. What more could we want? So I'm saying to you tonight, oh Christian, pick up your head, be encouraged. Maybe it's been a tough week. Maybe it's been a tough year. Maybe you're going through something. Maybe you slipped and fallen and you've struggled the last couple of months with some temptation. Dust yourself off. Get back into the right relationship with him because all of the security and assurance and help that you need is to be found in the family of God. He leads us, he assures us, he secures us, he provides for us everything we need. So if you're here tonight, you don't know him, oh, he'll adopt you into his family. And everything I have, you can have tonight. In a crowd this size, it's very likely there's someone that doesn't know him. The greatest thing that could possibly happen tonight and the greatest thing that could ever happen in your life would be for you to come to know him as your personal Lord and Savior. If you don't know, there are literally hundreds of people that would love to take the word in God and show you. But for others, maybe you're struggling with assurance of salvation. Let's just get it settled tonight because it's settled in heaven. And for others... Maybe you just need to fall down before the one who owns everything and thank him for providing and taking care of everything in your life. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I thank you for this text. I thank you for the encouragement and the help that the word of God can be in our lives. I thank you that you are such a wonderful father. I thank you that we can bring the smallest of concerns and needs before you. I'm thankful that you have placed the spirit of God within us to guide, direct, and help us, to assure us. Father, I don't know what's going on in every heart in life tonight. It would be impossible, but the father does. And so do your work in your way. And all that I would ask is that we would be receptive to it tonight. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Would you stand with me?